Hi everyone, this is Harrison Goodale, co-founder of Sustain Music and Nature. Welcome to Songscapes. This episode features lead singer and marathon runner Chris Freeman of Parsonsfield, also the band I was a member of for many years. I co-founded Sustain while still touring, so in the early days, a lot of the programs we have now were tested out on Parsonsfield. So thanks guys for trying out some of these crazy ideas. Charles Coplin and Chris start the conversation on what some of those experiences were like. So um, you, uh, you were the guinea pig. You were the first one to do songscapes. That's right. We were, uh, we had the inside, um, inside, I don't know, inside job there with, uh, with, we call him whale, but with Harrison as a, uh, he was a part of our band. And, and so, yeah, we were so lucky to, to get to go up to Katahdin Woods and Waters and spend a few days and, um, see the see the beautiful land and also be there at this like amazing changing time for the park which was as it was just becoming uh becoming public lands for the first time so yeah it was that was an amazing amazing time how how did that affect your creative process well that was like pretty much the first time that i had ever um and i i think for it was for most of us to go to a place and know that like we need to get we need to write a song about almost, almost like a commissioned piece, right? We had never really done that before. Um, not, especially not in that way where it was like, we're going to try to do this over the next three days and we're going to try to like take in all the, all the information and the vibe of a, of a place and, and then try to, you know, do that magical thing of like capturing it within, within, in a, in music. And, um, I think that having kind of like those little deadlines for yourself of being like, you know, I'm going to get something done here is a, for me, a really helpful, uh, helpful thing because it's so easy to just push something, push something off or say like, I'm waiting for inspiration. But I feel like that's really, that's the definition of being a, being a pro is being able to like decide like, no, this time I'm going to like, I'm going to make inspiration come to me. And I think that's like a huge part of my relationship with nature too, of like actively allowing myself to remember that I'm a part of it, that I'm, that it's all around me. And that also my, like, it doesn't end at the, at my skull, you know, like nature is like, it can kind of become a whole, a whole part of you. And, and if you let it, uh, and I, so I think that was like a big thing of like, I'm going to really go to this place, let it affect me let it uh notice how i feel emotionally towards this place around me and then create something from it and that was a that was a that's a big step i think for me so do you feel that if you went to a different park with different weather with different topography with a different landscape it would have potentially changed the nature of what you were quote unquote commissioned to do. Um, sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's like, that's another thing about songwriting and, uh, probably, probably goes across all sorts of different, different creative outlets. Um, but understanding that there is no right 
there's no correct song to write today. There's no right way to feel about a certain place and to allow whatever that inspiration is around you to just kind of flow through, flow freely, you know, like the river run, running through the park, you know, just like let it happen, let it go. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's no question that those sorts of things permeate my, permeated my mind and, and became um, became a part of Katahdin, which was the song that, that, that we wrote there. Um, and yeah, and also, I mean, it was also very specifically about that park. It uses, the, the song uses uh, imagery from uh, Thoreau's Northwoods uh, adventures uh, and kind of, and talks about the legend of Pomola living at the top of Katahdin, which is this like godlike uh, uh, creature that um, is up there. And so, yeah, definitely there's no way that it would have been the same song anywhere else. It was, it's about that place for sure. Now you mentioned running, but in a different context, I want to talk to you about, I know you're a runner and I, yeah. I wonder how much of the running experience beyond the cardiovascular benefits is um, an opportunity for you to get uh, more quality time with nature. Yeah. Oh, I mean, hundred percent it's it both in the you know in the kind of traditional sense of being in nature where I, I do a lot of trail running and stuff so i'm just kind of amongst the amongst the trees and getting that sort of uh you know my own little photosynthesis happening uh within my own within my it's like kind of a, a meditation while i'm while i'm running um but yeah also in terms of like sort of being at peace with my own nature in, in my own, my own head, that is definitely something that is, uh, it, it affects my every day. And it's, I'm, if I don't run in a given day, it's like a, it's something that will, will stay with me. It's not necessary. It's not something that I can just pick up the next day. Like it's a part of my day, kind of like playing music. Like it helps me get through the day to be amongst nature to get my heart rate moving to listen to music to practice an instrument all of those things are what sort of once you once you get into the habit of doing it it becomes it's not just like something i have to do it's something that that allows me to do everything else so it's do you have a a, a favorite public land moment whether you're were running at the time or playing music or just sort of doing something else where yeah. you, it just, you, you can go back there and it was like, Oh, okay. This is, this is going to be filed away. This is a moment. Yeah. I mean, there's so many of those. I was thinking about that um, leading up to this and like all the, the different parks that, that I've been to my, my wife and I, we hiked across the grand Canyon and um, we spent uh just a few hours at uh, um, this waterfall called, I think it's called Ribbon Falls. Um, and it's right at the bottom of the, on the, on the North side of, of the Canyon. And it was like, it's like one of the most beautiful places about a quarter mile off the trail that for me, it's like this oasis in the middle of a desert that was just like, so, so beautiful and so, outside being from new england you know you go to some of these places 
out west and it's like completely otherworldly and it's really that it, i feel so i feel so lucky to have not really been able to experience those things until i was old enough to you know like going over there in my 20s compared to going there as a 6 or 7 year old you can really start to realize just how special these places are and um uh so i mean yeah just like that time of kind of like you know hanging out under that waterfall is like this magical moment in my mind but it's just one of of so many including our time up at Katahdin Woods and Waters that was that was particularly special because um because we were right on the cusp of seeing this play and with the people who were saving this land you know that that's a really magical thing too to be able to experience it through the eyes of people who really love the love the land and that was one thing that we got to do by um multiple times now because we've gone back up to hang out with our with our friends up there at Katahdin Woods and Waters um to really like understand what the what a local perspective is on a on a really special place um is always fun but i could honestly talk about a hundred more experiences at at different parks that you just like can stop and be like i am in this moment in a way that i may never get to be again i won't ever get to be again cuz this moment right now is really special and it happens all the time in yeah. the if you just stop to think about it yeah real presence which you know um i think you made a really good point about that sort of juxtaposition of the way nature can hit you on the west coast of this country versus the east because it's almost like um <laughs> It's a probably a terrible metaphor, but you're watching a really great television show, but you think that's the only television show there is. And then all of a sudden you go out there and you're like, whoa, this is completely different. I did preface this by saying it was a lousy metaphor, but I think nevertheless, you make a very good point. Um, no, no, it's a whole new genre. <laughs> yeah, whole new genre. Better better put. Thank you. More creatively put. I want to, speaking of creative, I want to shift. I want to talk a little bit about your music, Happy Hour on the Floor. Um, and I And I have a quote here both subdued and danceable, exploring the in-between moments in life. I don't know whether that was your quote or whether your bandmate's quote, but um, talk about the new album and all that it means to you and, you know, uh, how you're feeling about it these days. <laughs> yeah, well, it's um, it's uh, certainly not new to us, but it is, I guess it's our... Most, it's I our should say most recent release, right. yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it was like... Uh, it's it's definitely it was definitely sort of about what I meant by those in between moments is like not necessarily those moments that are gonna just on their own live like they won't be the moments that we, we talk about necessarily in a on a podcast or something. It's not like what's that one moment in nature where like you you'll never forget it. It's about like sort of finding those finding that sort of presence in in the moments that aren't gonna be the highlights of your life, but realizing that you can that you can kind of summon a highlight of your life by just in in your own in your own mind, and I think that that was so. They, there's a lot of songs on the record that are that are not about the extraordinary; they're about the ordinary, and that was like uh, something that, like, just like when you look when you zoom in on a, on an eye, 
or something when you and you all of a sudden it like you get closer and closer and it looks more and more like an eye and then you keep going into the iris of it and all of a sudden it looks like this whole other world that if we were if we were you know uh one one thousandth of the size then every crevice of our skin could be a national park <laughs> it's like this whole thing is just like there's so much beauty in so many in it's like a russian dolls of of beauty that you just have to look closer to see the beauty of that smallest doll and so i feel like those are the that was the thing that was really inspiring and um and i think that one of the most amazing things about music is when you can when you set an ordinary moment to a song all of a sudden that moment becomes extraordinary and it becomes this more magical more nuanced thing that you're like wow this is like a part of the human experience uh in a way that uh i could have in i could have glossed over this as being just like a conversation that i had with my wife or one hard day that she had at work um and that's where the title happy hour on the floor came from was her boss maybe hopefully he doesn't listen to this but her boss left one day and it was like her and her co-workers were like we gotta we like just it was the it was the end of a work week and they just sat on the floor and had wine and it was like she so she came home that day and said we left like um uh you know we had we had happy hour on the floor today and i was just like oh my god that's like or she said, we, yeah, we quit early and, and had happy hour on the floor. It was the first thing she said to me when she came home. And it became the first line of a song called Emery and really sort of like was like, oh, my God, that's what we've been writing about is like these little moments of, you know, where the potential is amazing if you're able to go to that place in your mind. Uh, but it's also can feel very ordinary at the same time. And I think once I realized that, I had that power if I could summon it to like realize that every moment is special and every day is special uh, and to be present in that. And I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm perfect at this. In fact, I think I kind of suck at it really, but I'm just working on it. Uh, but what a like, what a, what a good feeling to know that we can go to that place. We don't need to go anywhere either. Stay with us. More from Chris and Charles after the break. Ever wonder why conservation messaging has such a hard time reaching people? So did we, and that's why we started Sustain Music in Nature. We take a celebratory approach, showcasing the beauty of public lands through music. Music reaches everyone. Our mission is to make music a force for nature. When you watch one of our National Park music videos or attend a concert out on the trails, our goal is for you to be inspired to enjoy and support these at-risk areas. Public lands belong to all of us, and music is the perfect way to bring this message to everyone. Consider a one-time donation or join our Patreon to help us create exciting programs and musical collaborations that celebrate and protect public lands for all. You can make music a force for nature. Learn more at sustainmusicandnature.org. 
Welcome back, and you are listening to Songscapes. Charles Coplin and Chris Freeman have been discussing ways to find the gold in the ordinary moments of life. We'll jump right back in with Charles opening the second half of the conversation here. I think, again, you said something really interesting because that's where I think music and nature have a lot in common, which is they offer you so much, this deep well of spirituality and, and emotion. And, and if you're not paying attention to the notes, to the lyrics, or to the trees, or to the wind, or to the water, or what have you, you, you miss it. So I do think those those two things have that in common. I wanted to dig deeper into your sound. You've had you know a lot of personnel changes, but you continue to evolve. And I'm going to hit you with another quote, um, which is, a rowdy rock and roll spirit into its bluegrass and folk influences, blowing away any preconception of what you think banjos and mandolin should sound like. I did not write that. That's okay, but you're still, <laughs> yeah. you got to own it because your bandmate <laughs> said it. True, yeah. Well, somebody said I, it about us, but yes, that's... Oh, that's, somebody said about you. And, and also, I, 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 I wanted to, when you respond to that, I know that you sort of utilize different recording techniques for the latest record where you didn't use a click and you, and you built some loops. So have at it. Talk about whichever part I just threw at it. Sure. Yeah. Well, all right. So I think that we started as a band, as a folk music club. Um, Antonio and I met, met that way. He was this like great, mandolin player and he knew all these irish tunes and i was a singer and kind of played guitar and was starting to write songs and just falling in love with traditional music and so bluegrass and and uh irish tunes and stuff were such a huge part of our musical foundation and our friendship um but then as things changed and as we as we started to do this after college and started to sort of fall into, we wanted to find our own sound and find our own, our own, uh, you know, we didn't want, and there was also like new members added to the band who had different influences. And so to be able to pull all that together was really like kind of the goal of what our band was, where we wanted to keep this like traditional sound, but we didn't want to uh, be stuck to anything that, was a past version of ourselves. So yeah, so on this latest record, we did, we used a lot of loops. And um, so we sort of built like, the first thing that we played to were just like, we made click tracks rather than, rather than play to a tick, tick, tick. We played to a like, or like, there's a song, on the record that has that loop that goes through the entire thing. And that was the first thing that we looped to, that we looped and, and built, built on. And then as then 2020 happened and, and we were, we were stuck at home and then we were figuring, it was like this uh, opportunity for Antonio, who is a computer engineer uh, to, and, and like between the sort of, we had to be alone so we it was just the two of us in a room and we didn't have our larger band that we had kind of grown to be accustomed to having 
And so we were actually really lucky to have made this album in this way, even though we weren't planning on on touring this way, but we built our own looping system in order to like be able to play these songs live as a duo, which is what we became um, during COVID. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think we still love these old songs and these old sounds and old instruments. And I've like, at the same time as like starting to do looping and this whole thing that is very modern, we've also like, though I've dived deeper into learning claw hammer banjo than I ever had uh, before this past year. And so that's pretty much the only type of banjo that I play, which if you're familiar with banjo, um, you probably know, but, if not, then it's claw hammer is a very traditional style uh, that uh, doesn't use finger picks and is very diff- is kind of more old timey than the than the bluegrass style. So I don't know if that really answered the question, yeah, but it's, it's just kind of like just kind of letting letting the letting evolution letting evolution happen within our own brains. And I don't think that I'm like I'm not good enough to say like okay this time I'm gonna make a I'm going to make a indie rock album and this time I'm going to make a bluegrass album this and like to like I don't I'm not that creative to like go jump from way over here to way over here I'm kind of just following wherever I'm at at that point and I think that I'm like I'm growing to be more okay with that that it's like whatever comes out is what comes out and it feels natural and it feels real and raw and um you know to put away the expectations that other people have in their minds or, or wherever I thought the world was supposed to be. Anything we've learned over the last year is that we don't have control over, over where we're going uh, in the way that maybe we think we do sometimes. And uh, so we just like take it as it comes. And it's just so much, so much easier to be creative when you're not worried about an uh, end result. So let's shift from the, sort of uh, intricate creative process of the studio to the more emotional aspect of playing live. You guys are big fans of playing Ophelia, which is such a great song. Um, I saw my morning jacket do a cover of that, which was pretty special. uh, There's so many songs to choose from, from the band. Uh, I'm sure people have told you this. You kind of look like a young Levon Helm, even though you're not the drummer. So what, but why Ophelia? Oh, I mean, we've played a ton of different band songs, um, but yeah, I mean, that was just one that is like, it's so, it's just such a fun song. I also love Cripple Creek and like, there's, there's a, there's a million band songs that I just like, I'm just a huge fan of the band. Um, But that's a great song. And man, that on the last walls, the way that that's filmed and it's like it's just zoomed in on Levon's face while he's playing. It's like a one long shot. That's one of my favorite. That's probably my favorite like rock and roll uh, film ever. Is the Last Waltz. Um, also, really like No Direction Home, the Bob Dylan one. But um, but like the way that it's shot, it's like just such an up close single shot on his face while he's singing it and you he's playing drums the whole time and he's such an amazing the best part of Levon Helm is the way that he his singing interacts with his drum playing that's like so awesome where like he'll have an offbeat 
a silent beat from singing and he'll like accent that beat on drums in such a, in a way that like you hear guitar players do a lot because it's, you always hear a guitar player singer. Like it's, it's like, that's, that's so common, but it's much less common to see the drummer, but to hear that interaction coming from one person of their voice to their, to their instrument. And then to see just like the raw emotion on his face while he's, while he's playing is uh, really like it is burned into my memory from ever from the first time that I ever saw that film of just like this is so cool I want to be that <laughs> well I'm gonna say this right now and I feel like I'm stating the obvious but anybody listening to this who has not seen the last waltz needs to see the oh, last yeah. waltz so yeah. what you described is pretty much along with some really cool and interesting and intimate stories uh an hour and 45 minutes of of you know as good as it gets um 100%. you guys touring soon yeah so we just finished um a a tour this summer uh we did kind of a backyard uh tour mostly backyard just like it's been such a weird year to be uh to be out there but we went out to montana to play a festival and and put out a little a little note to on on Facebook of anybody who has backyards that we could play along the way. And it was, it was incredible. We got like hundreds of emails back saying we Very could cool. play in their, their backyard, which was like this in some ways it felt like, you know, we have a booking agent and we have a manager and we have all these, these like music industry. Like we have this team that's helping us to like work to like, be a, to make a career at this, which is amazing, but there was nothing more, uh, nothing made me more grateful for what we do than this past year to realize that all these years of, of touring, of sleeping on people's floors, um, of connecting with sometimes sometimes there were more people on stage than there were in the audience when we went to certain towns far away for the first time and these things. And like these times that it's like, it's hard work to go on tour. It feels like this before you've ever done it. You're like, what could be better than that than driving around the country and playing music each night. And it's a lot of ways that's true, but it's also like, it's not a vacation. It's like hard work, but we're connecting with people every night and it's not a business trip, you know, it's hard, it's hard work that where you have this amazing connection and, uh, and then to have kind of the disaster that was COVID sort of like just pummel and the, the, the music industry and the all live, live music and our, what, you know, our tour was, was canceled. Um, it was one of the most rewarding things for all those years of work that we put into connecting with people was putting out this, this message, asking to play backyards and just seeing these emails come through of like, you can play my backyard. We can get 50 to a hundred people out here to see you guys. And we ended up having one of the best tours we've ever gone on playing backyards from in Indiana and Michigan and up in Northern Minnesota all over the place, uh, like all DIY, setting up our own our own sound system each night, uh, and connecting with people on such a human level 
after everybody was so starved of it for the last year, it's like hasn't it does not get better than that. And no, like you know, Red Rocks. I don't care about that really anymore. I used to care a lot. Now I just wanna. Now I just wanna like. I just want to connect with people and I feel like we've been doing that and I've never felt more grateful for, you know, what we have. You know, sounds like such a great documentary. I hope you took video because did, if yeah. not, did you? Yeah, we did. We, we, we took a lot of video from on the, from of like a plane in these backyards and things. And we're posting some on our Patreon. I, I let, so it's not the last waltz, obviously, but I just, you know, I think that could be just a really, really interesting documentary, especially to your point post pandemic. Um, and your origin story and the tour itself and going through the United States, you know, just between probably the pandemic one and the Delta variant and just, uh, it just sounds it was, like a pretty was, cool thing. It was exactly between. Yeah, it was that perfect. pocket. It was, yeah, it was right in that like three yeah. or four weeks where we were fully vaccinated and like we believed June. This we had is, June. It was, it was yeah, June. That it was, was it. Yeah, June to July was yeah. like, wow, like we are totally safe for the first time in a year. And then it was like by the end of the tour, we we're like, yeah, we should probably put the mask back on. I know. That's why, that's why I think it's a cool documentary. <laughs> yeah, I think it was, it's a moment it's in time. <laughs> Um, I asked all my guests this, um, and you know, I, I just did a radio show today where I put together a playlist of nature songs, and they're hard to find what I'm about to ask you. There's a lot of negative ones. There's a lot of dire warnings, dire warnings ones. Do you have a go-to song that is your place when you want to identify with nature in a, in a positive way? Yeah. Um, for me, it's really about um uh it's about my relationship with my own mind and my mind's relationship with nature and i think a song that uh that kind of captures that little like that little point to point uh uh thought process is a song called god cage the songbird by the low anthem uh it's uh off of an album called oh my god charlie darwin that came out in 2009 i think and the low anthem was a band from or i think they're still a band but they were um uh from providence and it's this amazing song it's beautiful it really helps me get into the i can listen to that song while sitting in the woods or you know in some sort of in any sort of natural place or you know in the in the van on i-95 and like close my eyes and and be there the lyrics are god cage the songbird before the the feathers run brown and it's like this feeling of like am i in a cage uh am i the like songbird that is uh there just for people to for people to look at or can i or am i able to open my mind and be a part of nature and realize that no matter whether i'm whether I'm in a van on I-95 or, or in the, in grizzly bear territory in the, in, uh, Northern Canada that like, like I've been in both of those places and listened to songs that put me in the, both of those places, even when I'm in the opposite place, um, that like, it just, it really gives me that, that feeling. 
Parsonsfield Sound has been evolving since its foundation in 2011, but they haven't abandoned their roots. There's new music on the horizon, and if you haven't listened or purchased their latest album, Happy Hour on the Floor, make sure you do, and follow at Parsonsfield for all the latest. Songscapes is a production of Sustain Music and Nature. Give us a follow, write a review, and if you like this program and want to make a donation, or just interested in learning more about what else we do, check out our website at sustainmusicandnature.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, see you out on the trail. You're done.